Welcome to the Life Point Church podcast. So uh, the Lord led us to do a series on the Ten Commandments. And so we, we are in, actually, this is week number seven. So counting this morning, there's four weeks. We're in the home stretch. So hopefully you've been um, gaining something good over the last few weeks. We do appreciate all the good feedback on the messages. And so we learned that in the book of Exodus, it's the story of God's people who were in bondage for um, just under 500 years, and God miraculously led them out of Egypt, and God was taking them into the what? Into the promised land, the land of Canaan. And so along the way, God took them into the wilderness to get to the promised land. So if you are uh, maybe feeling like you're in a little bit of a wilderness season, guess what? Um, you're probably there because there's some promises on the other side of us, right? So, but God never intended them to spend a whole generation in the wilderness. But God brings them to the wilderness in Sinai. While, while they're there, God calls Moses up to Mount Sinai. And uh, the people said, "God, uh, you, Moses, you talk to God. Come back. Tell us what Moses, uh, what God told you, because we're scared." And Moses said, "You don't have to fear God. He's only speaking to us to keep us from sin, to keep us living a blessed life, to live above failure." And so Moses goes up on Mount Sinai for forty days, and he comes back with what the Bible said are the ten words or the ten commandments that he brings to his uh, people. And once again, these are commandments that are given to us to help us live above sin, to help us live a blessed life. And I keep saying this, but it's important. God didn't give them the Ten Commandments while they were in Egypt because it was his delivering hand. It wasn't them obeying some laws that freed them. It was the delivering power of God. It's the same thing in our lives. Romans says this, that we were slaves to sin, and it wasn't our obedience that brought us out of that. It was the hand of Jesus. It was the work of Jesus. Amen? And so these these principles are what I call life-giving principles that God gave, and even though they were Old Testament and they were all the way back in the book of Exodus, they're still valid for us today. And so we are on week number seven, so let's uh, let, let's read. We, we've learned this that in these Ten Commandments, um, there is face value to every commandment. Then there's this underlying principle. And so that's sort of where we've been looking and applying for the first six. So here is commandment number seven Exodus chapter 20 and verse 14 says, You shall not commit adultery. Um, there's obviously face value to that. We, we know what that means that you shouldn't break the covenant of marriage. But Jesus said something, and he shows us a little bit more of a principle in the New Testament. So Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, 28, and 29. Jesus said, now, your ancestors have been taught never commit adultery. But however, I say to you, if you look with lust in your eyes at the body of a woman who is not your wife, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Now, when we see this word adultery here in in this verse, it brings out some Greek words that we need to understand. Um, Actually, three different versions of of a Greek word. And so you all know that the New Testament was written in Greek, right? So that's why we're talking about the Greek words. So so the first word gives us us this idea. Um, So there's three Greek words, pornos, porneia, and pornos grapho. You can check my Greek. You don't know it either, so I probably didn't pronounce any of that right. (laughs) So here's what the first word means. It means to um, have sex with a prostitute. Um, no, well, no one would probably be willing to um, have sex for money or pay for sex. But here's what it really could also mean, that you would prostitute yourself for emotion, that you would prostitute yourself for some type of support or feeling, 
The second word there means just simply to, to have sex with a prostitute physically. And the third word there means to entertain or meditate on wrong thoughts or wrong visual things. So what Jesus is really saying in this scripture, that there's more here than just, just face value of the word adultery. He's really dealing with a, this principle, purity. Everyone say purity. Um, and, and, and so this morning I want to talk about the significance of purity. We have to understand this. Why, why would God spend a commandment talking about this? And a lot of people say the commandments are in order of importance. And so if, if number seven on the list, obviously out of everything God could have said, it made the top ten list. This is why God said this, because his people were going from a land where um, it was full of idols, it was full of um, debauchery and immorality, and he was going into another land that was even more filled with things like this, child sacrifices. It was filled with occult activity and every immorality that you can imagine. So what God is saying, you're my people, I took you out of a place of bondage, and now I'm going to bring you into a new land, I'm going to give it to you, you're going to have to inhabit it. You're going to have to conquer in this land. I'm going, I'm going to provide for you. But he gives us a commandment that we should stay pure. And here's what purity means, free from contamination. Now, wh why is this um, important to us in 2020? Um, because we live in a culture that's a lot like that culture. Uh, we live in a culture that's very immoral. We live in a culture that says, well, we don't sacrifice children. Well, we have an abortion problem. Um, the, it's just a culture that is, is very depraved, very evil, and very immoral, just like today. And so I think God would say the same thing to us that he said to them entering the promised land. There's a lot of impurity in the, in the land. I'm calling you to be pure. Now, um, once again, impurity means it gets mixed or it gets contaminated. And so whenever you see words in the Bible like thou shalt not, there's this immediate thing that happens in our hearts, in our minds, and I believe it's the whisper of the devil that says something like this, God just wants to take your fun. God's just a fuddy-duddy. He doesn't want you to have any enjoyment. And I want you to know that whenever God says thou shalt not, it's not a negative, it's a positive. What he's saying is I'm going to send you to a land and it's very impure, but I'm calling you to be pure. I'm calling you to live pure. So it's a positive comment that God's protecting us. Amen? And, and so let, let's, make some, let's make some points today with this principle of purity. First of all, look at the person next to you and say he's talking to you. I've made a very bold comment. I just want everybody to relax. I've made a very bold comment every week that I think all of us have broken all these commandments. That's why we need the grace and the goodness of, of God. So wh why would God give a commandment to be pure? Because they're going into a very impure culture. So here's the first point I would say. This is why, because impurity damages. So impurity damages. I'm going to read you a couple scriptures, and they're a little bit wordy, so just stick with me for a moment. Um, because God knew about the impurity in the culture, and he knew the reason why he said, thou shalt not commit adultery, or thou shalt not live impure, um, is because he, he knew that it brought damage into their lives. Proverbs chapter 5 says this, my, my son, share your love with your wife alone. Drink from her well of pleasure and not from any other. Why would you have sex with a stranger or with anyone other than her? Reserve this pleasure for you and her alone and not with another. Your sex life will be blessed as you take joy and pleasure in the wife of your youth. Let her breast be your satisfaction and her embrace 
intoxicate you at all times. Be continually delighted and ravished with her love. My son, why would you be exhilarated with an adulteress? By embracing a woman who is not yours. Verse 21. For God sees everything you do, and his eyes are wide open as he observes every single habit you have. How about that? God sees it all. Um, Verse 22. So beware that your sins don't overtake you, and the scars in your own conscience become ropes that tie you up. Those who choose wickedness die for lack of self-control. Now look at the end of this verse. For their foolish ways lead them astray. They carry them away as a hostage. I like this. It says they're kidnapped captives robbed of destiny. Um, Impurity damages. God knows that. It damages our destiny. It damages our hopes. It leads us captive. And what God was saying is I brought you out of captivity and I brought you out of bondage. Don't get back in it. I have freed you from it. Don't allow yourselves to come back under it. Um, Proverbs chapter 6 goes on and it says this, um, that when we're impure, we heap fire into our own laps. And it says, how can you think you can reap fire in your own laps and, and, and not get burned? And so here's how impurity works in our lives. It's conceived in the thought realm. Thoughts turn into desires, desires turn into lust, and lust turns into sin. And so, but it brings damage into our lives. So let's go to the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Show you where we'll bring out some of these points. Um, verse, verse 9, chapter 6. Once again, a few verses here. Um, Surely you must know that people who practice evil can't possess God's kingdom realm. So stop being deceived. People who continue to engage in sexual immorality, idolatry, ad- Idolatry, adultery, sexual perversion, homosexuality, fraud, greed, drunkenness, verbal abuse, or extortion, these will not inherit God's kingdom realm. Now, let me stop here. Um, the, the, the language in the Bible says you will not inherit the kingdom of God. It, it doesn't say the kingdom of heaven. So what it's saying here is you can be on your way to heaven and miss out on all the kingdom power, all the kingdom blessings, and all the kingdom purposes by certain things that we may allow in our lives. So y'all with me? Um, So where am I at? Verse 11. So it's true that some of you once lived that lifestyle, but now you've been purified from sin. You've been made holy. You've been given a perfect standing before God, all because of the power of the name of Jesus, the Messiah, and through our union with the Spirit of our God. Verse 12. It's also true that our freedom allows us to do what? Anything, but that doesn't mean that everything we do is good for us. I'm free to do as I choose, but I choose to never be enslaved to anything. Some have said, I eat to live and I live to eat, but God will do away with all of it. The body was not created for illicit sex, but it was created to what? Serve and worship Jesus who can fill the body with himself. Verse 14, now the God who raised up our Lord from the grave will awaken and raise up through his mighty power. Don't you know that your bodies belong to Jesus as his body parts? Should one presume to take the members of Christ's body and make them into members of a harlot? What? Absolutely not. Aren't you aware of the fact that when anyone sleeps with a prostitute, he becomes what? Part of her and she becomes part of him because it's declared this, that two become a single body. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is mingled in one spirit with him. This is why you must keep running away. What's it say? Running, not flirting with, but what? running away from immorality or impurity. Now look what it says. Every other sin is outside of the body, 
But immorality involves sinning in what? Against yourself. Verse 19, have you forgotten that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? You no longer belong to yourself. For the gift of God, the Holy Spirit lives inside your sanctuary. You are God's expensive purchase, paid for with the tears of blood. So by all means, use your body to bring glory to God. The reason why I said this first point, that impurity damages, and that's what we just read in, in the book of 1 Corinthians. How would impurity damage you? Well, if you've been here long enough, you know that we've taught this, this principle that you are made up of a spirit, a soul, and a body. Damage happens in all three of those areas of our life when we allow impurity in our lives. So we just read that if a person um, has sex with a harlot, he becomes what? One with a harlot. So whoever we would be involved with sexually, um, we can sin against our own body. The Bible says every other sin is what? Outside of the body, but that's a sin that, that affects the inside of a person. And so anybody you join yourself with, guess what? You become one with those people. What is in them gets to be one with you. And this is why the Bible is saying, hey, stay with your wife. Be faithful to your husband. Be faithful with your partner. Be joined to them. We can't be joined to all these other parts because it damages us. It will damage our bodies. And, and what happens is it opens the door to the devil in our lives. Um, not only could it damage our bodies, it could damage our soul. We're spirit. We're soul. We're body. Um, what's our soul? Well, it, your soul is where your mind, your will, and your emotions reside. Um, so we, we, we can be unfaithful. We can be impure, obviously, physically. But we can also be impure in our mind. We can be impure in our emotions. A lot of people um, may not have a physical affair, but they can have emotional affairs. They can have um, impurity in their thoughts. And so what does it do? It damages our thought life. It damages the, our hearts. And then obviously it can also damage our spirit man. It could affect our intimacy with God. It can affect our intimacy um, with our spouse. And so impurity damages, and it does. The Bible says you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Once again, not the kingdom of heaven, but the kingdom of God. The purposes, the blessings of God um, it, it, it's a part of our lives. If we are not pure in, it brings damage to our, our spirit, our soul, and our bodies. When God says, I want you to be pure, and that's a positive thing. It's, it's a protective thing that, that God is, is, is speaking about here. So it damages. It's not just, hey, I just had this um, relationship with this woman or this relationship with a guy. The Bible's telling us to protect it. Just because our culture has a different message and our culture has a different standard, the Bible says don't get mixed with the culture's message. Because God knows better. Does anyone know God knows? How, how many have found out that God knows better than you do? And so that we had this message here, and this is really what God was getting at was to remain pure because impurity will damage, and it, it causes all kinds of damage. It can, it really what it does is it, it gives the devil, even though you're a believer, it gives him an open door into our lives. If we are watching things we shouldn't, if we are hearing things we shouldn't, if we're entertaining relationships the wrong way that we shouldn't, it does open the door to the devil, and he can bring destruction into our life. It creates soul ties in our emotions. It creates soul ties with a person that we come into union with. Um, it can actually in, invite physical damage, um, and we just read it, it handicaps the destiny of God in our lives. This is why God said this, that it's, it's something you have to make sure that you are keeping 
pure. Now, I thought this was interesting. I, I read this the other day that um, Cambridge University did a study of dominant cultures throughout history, and this was what they said, that they all diminish because of sexual permissiveness. Not because of military power, but because of what? Impurity, unfaithfulness. Um, and, 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 and so there, there's a difference, um, and I think this is maybe what Jesus was getting at. There's really a difference between sin and rebellion. So sin means to miss the mark. The, to miss the mark. How many of you missed the mark this week? Anyone miss it so far today? But we will miss the mark. We're, we're flesh. We're going to miss the mark. Uh, we're we're going to fail. But rebellion means I'm going to make provision for my failure. I, I'm going to live against what the word says because I want my emotions fed. I want my desires fed. Um, I want me gratified. And so there becomes a difference when, we're, when we have a failure or we um, miss the mark versus us making a provision just to stay in a lifestyle, a relationship, a wrong setting. Um, e- even if someone fails physically, it's different than just making provision for it. Are you all with me? There's a difference between rebellion. You say, well, what's the difference? There's a consequential difference in those things. And this is what God's warning us about. And we can all be, you can be in here trying to worship God and your spirit can't connect with God. Why? Because of some impurities in our mind, impurities in our heart, impurities in our life. So are we on the same page this morning that the impurity damages? Yeah. Here's my second point, though. Um, everything's repairable. Well, look at someone and say, well, that's good news. <laughs> everything's repairable. Why is everything repairable? Because God's a what? He's a redeemer. He is a redeemer. You say, well, how would I repair? If, if, if I've allowed pornography in my life, if I've allowed a wrong relationship, if I've gotten into immorality, impurity, and it's opened a door to the devil in my life, what do I do? Well, we have to close that door. How do we close that door? We confess that sin and we repent. Now, l- let me tell you something about repentance because a lot of people miss it. Um, it's true, a lot of people say repentance means to turn from something. And that is true, but that's only half of the picture. Because if you're turning from something, um, we miss the part that if we turn from something, how many know we have to turn to something? It's easy to feel remorse and feel sorry and just turn from, but we have to have something we turn to. And we understand this would be the love of Jesus. This would be the grace of God. This would be the forgiveness of our Father. Amen? So in our repentance, we have to know I'm sorry, I'm remorseful, and I turn from it, but I've got to turn to something. And obviously turning to something, that would be the power of Christ, the power of Jesus. And, and, and the principle there is we have to take that and bring it into the light. Anything, that, anything that's impure hides in what? Darkness. It hides in secrecy. And what we have to be able to do is bring that thing out into the light because how many of the light will shed light on it, the light will begin to put an expiration date on that thing in our, in our lives. So we repent. That's how we close the door. We repent, which means I turn from it, I'm remorseful over it, and I, and I begin to turn toward um, Christ, and I turn toward God. And the Bible said this, that he was bruised and wounded for what? Our, our iniquities, our sins. He took that bruise and he took that pain and he took that suffering on the cross, what? For, the, for your impurity, for your sin. Now, um, here's something that all of us do every day. We, um, we get up and we get dressed and we put on our clothes, right? Um, what you wear says a lot about you. It could say that um, 
You don't care what you look like. It could obviously say that. Um, it could say that you have a certain style that you like. Some people go for comfort. Um, some people go for looking a certain way. Um, and so it's going to say a lot about how you perceive yourself. I, I don't know if I should even say this, but I'm not going to. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying you can walk around a certain store and see a lot of people don't care about what they're wearing. Um, it, it, it's on the internet. It has its own page. Um, <laughs> It's Walmart. All right, I'll just say it. Just get it out there. But it says a lot about how, one, you perceive yourself, and it says a lot, too, about how you want other people to perceive you, how you look, your style, um, what you wear, how, how you dress. But here's what the devil would like to do, is he'd like to clothe you in failure and shame and filth. That's what he'd like to clothe you in. Um, the devil's crazy. He will tempt you to fail, and then once you fail, he will shame you for it. Jesus not only went to the cross for your sin, but he also went for your shame. And this is why the Bible says we put on Christ. We put on the garment of Christ. Um, we put on his righteousness. Um, even Jesus himself took off the grave clothes. So this is my challenge. Let's allow Christ to take off our grave clothes and put on some grace clothes. So we, we, we all live in a very fallen world, a very impure culture. And we've all failed. We've all been impure. Um, and it does bring shame. But it's, it's repairable. It's re repentance. Turn from it, turn to. Now, I said all that so I could spend the last few moments on this last point, And that is that if impurity damages us, but it's repairable, then, then, then purity protects us. Everyone say protects. Let's read some more scripture. Um, First Thessalonians says this, that God's will is for you to be set apart for what? For him in holiness and that you keep yourselves unpolluted from sexual defilement. Yes, each of you must guard your sexual purity with holiness and dignity. So what, we, what must we do? We must guard. Everyone say guard. guard. Not yielding to lustful passions like those who don't know God. Ezekiel says this, that idleness actually opens the door to impurity. So we need to be guarded. We need to be involved in, in, in the right thing. So if impurity is to be defiled, purity means to remain undefiled. And look what Romans says, chapter 13 says, put on the Lord Jesus. Remember I said a moment ago, what do you clothe yourself with? You put on the Lord Jesus. That means clothe yourself with Christ. And look what it says. Make no what? Provision for your flesh so you don't fulfill its lust. In other words, stop thinking about how you can gratify those lusts. So a, a few months ago, I was just in my own private time um, just doing some studying. And, and, and I, I came up with this. And I actually told my wife, she goes, I think that's for you to preach sometime. I said, well, we'll just see whenever that time is. So um, let me close today and spend a few moments with, um, and don't take closing real literal because I still have a few moments, but um, <laughs> how do you get an A in purity? How do you get an A in purity? And so I feel like God gave these sort of five things. I just, um, they all start with the letter A. That's where, where I got getting an A in purity. I was a youth pastor for 16 years. Everything has points and letters. And so um, I will say this to you that I do not think you can stay pure in our culture. I don't think our minds can, our hearts can, our thoughts can, our actions can. 
without the power of Jesus. Because we, we, we have to know this. We, this isn't in the notes, but you should write this down. Don't trust your flesh. Trust Christ. Um, but there are some things I believe we can do to begin to protect ourselves. So if I was going to say to you, if you will power and you will your character, you'll stay pure. Well, you can for a while, but we're still all flesh. And we can get impure in our thoughts. We can get impure in our emotions. We can get impure in our actions, our desires. We just live in an impure world, right? Um, so I want to give you these five things. They all start with the letter A. There are five words that I believe if we can practice these things, it will help us stay pure. Anyone want to stay pure? So what I've tried to share with you for the first few moments is that impurity really damages. It's repairable. But the reason why God said stay pure is we, so we can stay protected. So what would stay protected? Well, uh, our bodies would stay protected. Our emotions would stay protected. Our spirits would stay protected. And so here, here we go. The first one is acknowledge. Everyone say acknowledge. I do think it's really important and it's really proper that if you know that you have an area of your life where there's some impurity that you that you would find someone that you could acknowledge it to. Acknowledge it to your spouse. If you're a single person, find someone of the same gender that you can share it with. And if something is shared with you, be helpful. Be full of grace. Uh, be loving. Be forgiving. Be helpful. One thing that the church is really bad at sometimes is to judge people and point fingers and cut people off. Now, now we, 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 we don't like the sin, but we got to love the person. we got to help the person. Because the moment we start pointing fingers and judging, we understand that, that, that we can fall too. But it is real important to what? To just acknowledge it. Here's why. I said this a moment ago. But if we can take something and confess it and repent of it and bring it out of the darkness and bring it into the open, guess what we can do? We can begin to defeat its power. If something is going on in your thoughts, don't wait before your thoughts turn into an action. Go to somebody. Go to your spouse. Go to a friend. Go to someone and say, man, I am struggling with an area. I'm struggling with some impure thoughts. I'm struggling with some impure actions. I've been dealing with it. I've dealt with it for years, or it's come at me. It could be an attack. It could be a habit. Whatever it is, I mean, it's real important that we could just do what? Acknowledge it. Stop concealing it. Stop hiding it. Bring it out into the open that someone can love on you, pray with you, help you, stand with you. It just takes away the power when something's in darkness. Uh, you probably heard me say this before, but... Um, you know, if you're in a, in, 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 well, let's just say this, okay? So um, I thought we had a pretty good basketball team at the university this year. Um, apparently, we don't know what the word offense means. But anyways, um, we, we do really good at home. But we have done horrible on the road. I mean, we are losing to teams we shouldn't lose to, right? Y'all with me? Um, so there's something to be said about the home court advantage, if you're in Morgantown and the Mountaineers out with his musket and, and the fans are cheering, let's go Mountaineers, there's this home crowd environment, there's this home crowd advantage that you get. Any team in the sports world, they play all season to get to the playoffs to have what? Home field advantage. There's just an advantage of being in the comfort of your field, your turf, your court, your fans. There's just a different environment. Now listen to me. The devil's home field court or home field advantage is, guess what, darkness. If something is in darkness, stays in darkness, stays concealed, stays hidden, he has an, a what? an advantage. He works in darkness and he works in ignorance. 
So if we take something and we bring it out into the light, he loses his what? Home field advantage. He loses his home turf. He loses his environment. He loses his atmosphere. He loses his fans. He, he loses that atmosphere that he has an advantage over your life. But if we bring it out into the open and we confess it, we repent it, we tell somebody, guess what it does? It diminishes that power. It diminishes the power of secrecy. It destroys the power of hiding something. You stop concealing it. It gets open, and God can start to heal you. God can start to deliver you. God can start to free you. Now, that's easy for me to get up here and say, but there's got to be somebody that we can go to and say, hey, I, I'm dealing with this. Because I want you to look around. Um, if anybody can identify anybody in this room that's perfect, we'll just go ahead and let you leave because you don't really need this message. But there's no one in here that's perfect. Now, we all sin. Sometimes we just sin differently. But there's this power of acknowledge. Everyone say acknowledge. acknowledge. The second one is a little bit like this, and it's the word accountable. If we're going to acknowledge it, the best thing we can do then is to be what? Accountable to somebody. Now, accountable means this, that we, we can create some boundaries. We can create um, some guards in our life that will keep us from falling to those impurities. So for, for, for example, let's, let's just talk practical for a, just a moment. I would say in our lives, there are some boundaries we need to put up about things that we let before our eyes. Obviously, that, that could be pornography, that could be certain movies, that could be certain things that we allow ourselves to see that we need to put some boundaries up. Man, we, 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 most of us are like, we like to push the limits. That can be a fun thing, right? My wife says, you're just about adventure all the time. You always want to push the limits, the speed limits, the, the lines in the sand. I just, I'm just one of those guys. But how many know it's smarter not to push the boundaries? It's smarter to know where those boundaries are. Things that we could see. How about this? Things that we could hear. There is some music. Don't play with some of that music. There is a message in some movies. There's a message in some music. And it just, oomch, oomch, oomch. you put a beat to it. Whatever the beat is, there's a message with it. And what happens is we cannot continually digest those messages and those images and think that it will not affect us. I don't care how much of a spiritual giant you are because we will win or we will lose the battle in our thought realm and sometimes we we need help and we need accountability in our thought life not just with God let me say this to you this is a bold statement please understand me don't walk out of here misunderstanding me but if God could have just done it by himself with you you'd already just been okay what I'm saying is you need God and you need somebody else. When God helps you, he helps you through people. Now, I'm, don't leave yet. I'm not saying God doesn't have the power. I'm just saying God works through people. He will work through your spouse. He will work through your BFF. He will work through uh, a, a guy that you have an accountability with or a lady friend that you have an accountability. He will work those pe through those people to help you. Amen? But sometimes we just need to set some boundaries. Why would we set boundaries? Because we can't trust ourselves. Like I said, don't trust your flesh, trust Christ. But sometimes we just got to be sort of, sort of practical. In, in your marriage, how about this? Um, I'll just use this as, as an, an example because um, I love you guys. I love our team. And, and a few months back, uh, I just taught our team. I said, you know what? Here's some things we're not going to have in our church. Um, if, um, if you're a guy and you have to meet with a female, don't shut your door. 
I said, if you're a married guy, don't be leaving and driving with a single girl. I don't care if it's the Burger King or anybody. And I know everybody looked at me like, oh, come on. But what am I saying? Trust Christ. Don't trust your flesh. Don't put yourself in a bad place. Put up some guards. Your wife, your husband should be able to see your phone. Amen? Are you all with me? Put up some guards. Be accountable. All right, so um, acknowledge, be accountable. Um, here's the next one. Abide. Everyone say abide. Here's why I say abide, because in 1 John chapter 3, it says this, if you abide in him, you won't miss the mark. That's what it says. So what's sin? Missing the mark. What could keep you and me from missing the mark? Daily abiding in him. What does that mean? To dwell in him, to stay connected to him. That means on a daily basis, having time with him. You got to stay connected to him. You got to stay connected to the word. You got to stay. What does that mean? It's, it's, mean, it's the word intimacy. Stay, like I would say this to you if I was actually a few months back last year. How about this? Last year in January, God gave me this big long word for the church, if you remember. And in there, he, he said something to me that I wrote down. Didn't even really remember saying it, and my wife brought it up to me one day. It said this, that there is, um, how was that, a, a spirit of adultery trying to come at the church. And so I took a Wednesday night, and I taught how to, how to keep your life free of uh, an affair. And you can have an emotional affair, physical affair, mental affair. You can have a spiritual affair on God. And, and so one of the things I said was I just talked to couples, and, and I said this, and this will you know, this is sort of graphic, but um, one of the things you need, need to do as a couple is you need to keep having intimacy and sex. Why? It keeps bringing you back to the person that's your source. Now, take that in the context with God. We need to keep coming to God. We need to keep having intimacy with God. We need to keep abiding in God. We need to make it a habit every day of abiding in him because of what the Bible says, it keeps you sanctified. It keeps you pure. It keeps you from sin. So isn't it cool God would say, here's, here's how you stay out of sin. You keep abiding in me. You keep abiding in my power. You keep abiding in my words. You keep coming to me. You keep worshiping me. I, I promise you this. If you keep worshiping him and abiding in him, you won't have time for some of the other things that could derail you or damage you. So y'all with me still? All right. So um, acknowledge, accountability, abide. I've got two more. Here's, here's the next one. Alert. Everyone say Alert. Um, so when I say alert, the Bible says a couple of things to us. It says that we need to be aware and vigilant that there's an enemy out there, and he's what roaring, looking for someone to what damage or devour. And another place the Bible says, so put on the full armor of God, put on your righteousness, put on the truth of the gospel, put on the words of Jesus, and the Bible says it, it will keep you from falling to the wiles of the devil, right? We don't use the word wiles. Here's what the word wiles means. It means methods, right? Here's a better way of saying it. We need to be alert to the methods or the roads that the devil takes to get to our mind. There are certain roads the devil keeps taking to get into your mind and to get into your thoughts and getting to your desires. And the Bible said we need to be vigilant and we need to watch his methods. Here's what I mean by that. There are certain methods... Now, God's all-knowing, amen? The devil's not all-knowing. He is not all-knowing. God's all-knowing. But what the devil does, he does counterfeit everything that God has created. So if God himself um, 
knows all things. The devil doesn't. So what the devil does is he keeps coming at you. He's not a mastermind, but he will figure out what works in your life. He'll figure out the habits in your life. He'll figure out the weaknesses in your life, and he'll keep coming down those same roads, those same methods to get at you, to get at your emotions, to get at your thoughts, to get at your heart, to get, it, to get you to fall into impurity. And he's good at what he does. That's why we need to be alert. What is it that, that creates that weakness in your life? What is it that might have that habit in your life? What was it that will sidetrack you? Know those wiles. Know his, his record at getting you and be vigilant against his tactics and know what your weaknesses are. And, and, and here's, here's the last one. Active. Everyone say active. So here's what I've said to you. Acknowledge to somebody that maybe you have some struggles, some failures. Be accountable Abide in him daily, be alert, and, and be active. And here's what I mean by active. Um, actively meditate on the words of Jesus. Now, when you hear the Bible talking about um, eating the word of God and meditating on the word of God, to a Jewish person, this, this is, um, or they would understand that this, this is when we meditate on the word of God. I wrote this little side note down. Um, there, there are four times we're supposed to meditate on the words of Jesus. Every morning, we're supposed to meditate on the words of Jesus. In the morning, when you're waking, meditate on the words of Jesus. At nighttime, when you're sleeping, meditate on the words of Jesus. Just let me throw this in there. It might be really, really important the first thing that hits your ears and eyes in the morning. And it might be really, really important the last thing that hits your mind and ears before you go off to sleepy town. Because you will meditate on that at night. Maybe what you watched or heard before you dozed off could torment you all night. It will affect your spirit and it will affect your thoughts as you sleep. Th those two are kind of given, but how about this? Um, we're supposed to meditate on the word of God in our down times. That means when you're relaxing, when you're kicking back. Now, not that you can never just kick back and relax, but here's why they would say that, because it's in your idle times and your down times that you could get weak and you might be open against an attack. Your mind might be open against a while of the devil. Morning, night, down times. And then I thought this was interesting, when you're traveling. What that would really mean to us is just times that you're being really thoughtful. You ever just been driving down the road in the car? And usually this is how it happens in my car. We're all ready to go on vacation. We're driving down the road. We're like, you know, we're 10 minutes down the road, we have to stop the bathroom and get snacks. But after we get past that, we're going down the road. And, and I look in the back seat, and the kids have their headphones on. It looks a little bit like this. And I look over at my wife, who is going to stay up with me and press through and drive. And she looks a little bit like this. <laughs> so what do you do for the next six hours? You think. You just think. Sometimes, if you're like me, my wife's like, what are you thinking? I'm like, nothing. See, guys have an anointing. We can think about nothing. Women, you can't do that. I'm sorry. But we can think. Are you guys with me? Have you ever wasted what you think about? And you're like, nothing. No, no, really, what are you thinking? I'm honest. I'm not thinking about anything right now. If I said that to her, what are you thinking about? Nothing. I'm like, you're not being honest with me because you can't do that. <laughs> but we think. If we're not busy, what do we do? Think. Where's the devil come at you? Your thoughts. Now this morning, you were in worship. You didn't have to think. You just worshiped the king of kings. You're sitting here. You're hearing me. 
Some of you might be sleeping, so if you're sleeping, meditate. Um, but we're thinking. And it's in those thoughtful times that we have to be aware that there's an enemy out there to what? Drag you into what? Impurity. To attack your purity. To attack your emotions. To attack your will. To attack your mind. To tempt you. To invade. Have you ever just been doing your own thinking and just have your thoughts invaded? You didn't do anything wrong. Your thoughts were just invaded. I mean, you just la di da di da you're on your little trip, and all of a sudden there's a voice. You can't do it. You're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not this. You're not this. You don't have enough of this in your life. You're just isn't good. And there's just these thoughts. And here's what happens. The Bible says we have to handle those imaginations and pull down those imaginations and replace them with some God thoughts. Because if not, here's what happens. We reason with them. Yeah, you know what? You're right. I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I don't have enough of that. And when we start reasoning, we start believing the lie and not believing God. That's why the Bible says meditate on the Word. That's why I say to you, be actively meditating on the words of God. So what have I said this morning? It's a little bit different than maybe you thought you were coming to church for this morning. One of the commandments God gave Moses to take to the people because they came out of a culture that all they saw was impurity. And they were heading into a next culture that they were going to be given the land. Matter of fact, the Bible, check this out. The Bible said that the land they were going to inherit, there was so much immorality in it that it even defiled the ground. It even defiled organic matter. I think we live in a culture like that. I mean, even the land can be defiled. Even property can be defiled. Even a home can be defiled. Even a place can be defiled. You know that's pretty serious. That's why God said, "Be pure. Do not commit adultery. Do not let impurity into your emotions. Do not let impurity into your mind. Do not let impurity into your actions." Because He knew it would damage them. Because He just freed them, and it would damage them. And I believe there's most of us today that have allowed some damage to happen. But the good news is, it's repairable. We serve a God that's a redeemer. We serve a God that's a forgiver. We serve a God that's a good God. Amen? Amen. Without him, we would have no hope. He is our righteousness. Amen? But I would say this to you and to me. I don't think we can remain pure without the power of Jesus. So what we need to do is put ourselves in a place, protect, put up some boundaries, be honest, be open, rely on the words of Jesus that will allow ourselves to be in a place where he can keep us pure. Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church Podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com.